0: Hello and welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant and I'm joined again today by Ricky Brooks. We wanted to start something a little different counter to what many have been taught and learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological. and We'll focus on what the early church saw. What we're going to talk about isn't some new idea but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We'll continue to talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about his word with us.
1: So Ricky, we
0: are in the month of abiding through storms, and we started it off with talking about preparing for storms as that's where the victory truly comes is when we prepare for the storm. And then last episode, we, we listened to a young lady named Allison in her struggle with a storm, but how abiding changed that struggle from what she had seen in the past. And so I wanted to invite you in your struggle that you've had to share your testimony of abiding through that, because I think it's it's important. And in case no one has has heard it, Ricky, you were the one that brought this to me. You've been mentoring me for, I don't know, since 2006, I think. And um, you've walked through a lot of the storms with me. And so you've brought this theme of abiding, of, of surrender, of transformation. You brought all of this to my attention and even started the discipleship I think it was November of 2019. And I think we all want to hear what kind of storm Pastor Ricky Brooks could have walked through and what did abiding look like in that? So if you'll open up and and share with us your story, I think we'd all love to hear it.
1: Well, I thank you and I appreciate that. and And I will kind of thinking through this a little bit in terms of where I, want, where I wanted to start. The, on, the process of abiding with the Lord is what he teaches us. And all the way through the, the Bible, clearly, gets really specific in the Gospel of John when Jesus is spending those last days with his devoted followers, even though they were still tender in their belief. And he taught them so much in those last hours. And we've covered this in previous podcasts, where he wanted them to abide with him the way he abides with the father. A really near perfect. Well, with the father and the son and the Holy Spirit, a perfect relationship. He, He invites his followers to be a part of that, to discover our true meaning, our true purpose, our true identity. And it's an ongoing thing where we get to experience the presence of God by abiding carefully in his word, in his work, in his joy, even in his sorrow and his pain. So I thought I'd share with you a a blog post that I wrote a while back, back in 2018. It's not very long, but this is kind of the thing that happens for me. As I abide, and as I pour God's word into my life, these kind of things happen three a m Ricky do you know where you are? How far have we traveled together? Now? I'm not hearing these particular words from god i'm I'm putting these words on paper, but it's the experience I'm having based on the Word of God that does come to my memory, as you'll see in a moment, sure. Seriously, man, the challenges we've stared down, climbed over, worked through, or even ignored. Remember? You recall that time? Really, it was a season, or should I say a siege, during which you just kept wagging your head back and forth, muttering, no, 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 no. Yep, that's the one. That's exactly the one I'm trying to get you to remember. And yep, that one too. Well, yes, that also. And now do you remember? Remember? you know where you are, where you always are? Hmm? You got it? It's as though God is saying things like that to us all the time, though not audibly and not in words. I, those are my words. Continuing. Remember when I said, I will never leave you or forsake you? And that's the passage of scripture that came to my mind at 3 a.m. on a night when I woke up highly troubled and agitated about some issues in my life right that's how i said it in the later letter to the hebrews but do you remember how i said it first yep there you go moses was finishing joshua was getting started your brothers and sisters long ago needed encouragement as the time for entering the promised land was upon them so what did i have moses say exactly be strong and courageous do not fear or be in dread of them for as the Lord your God who goes with you, he will not leave you, neither will he forsake you. That's in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, though God was continuing. That was a long time ago, about 3,400 years. And then about 2,000 years ago, my people needed that encouragement. So I reminded them again in Hebrews 13.5, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. So let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So there again at 3 a.m. in the morning, or by this time, 3:15 or so. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 floods my memory. And it's the perfect passage of scripture for what is going on with me and God in this moment of time. So as I close close the blog out, I give these quasi-fictional words to God. Now, do you remember where you are? That's right. You are with me, and you're always with me. We got this. I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you. Well, what happens in times like that, when just as Jesus predicted, in John 14, just as the psalmist talked about in Psalm 119, just as God related to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, the word hidden away in our heart comes flooding back to our memory by the work of the Holy Spirit. There's this overwhelming joy, joy, you know, that is magnificent to behold because I know that is God Almighty doing that work in me. So how did all that begin to take place in my life? Well, as a young man, as a Bible student at Bible school and uh, Bible graduate school and the young days of my marriage and whatnot, my wife and I were doing fantastic. And, And for those who don't know, my wife is in heaven. I lost her to a drunk driver, nearly lost my oldest son in that same wreck we had an a, an an idyllic fantastic marriage i i know people say that uh, but there's not only my testimony but other people's testimony to the fact that i just simply adored her and we had a fantastic marriage and i'm forever grateful for that we grew in our knowledge of the word of god we poured it into our hearts for all appearance sake we were an ideal couple abiding in the Lord and in his word. But short of 20 years of marriage, a drunk driver kills my wife and nearly kills my son. And then it became apparent to me that I had partnered my wife with the Savior for the strength and the meaning in my life. And I was. I was a person that was filled with joy. I lived with joy. I, I was on top of the world. I had, I was involved in ministry that I adored. I had a family I adored. I, I just was one of those people that just counted himself so blessed. Uh, you know, people, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fine. You know, uh, how can I pray for you? I, I felt almost guilty saying, pray for me because it was, life was going so well. But when she was ripped from our lives, It became apparent how much my meaning, my identity, my purpose in life was wrapped up in her. And a person can correctly go, well, that's not a bad thing, is it, Ricky? And I would say, absolutely not. I am forever grateful that I had, and in in my mind, feel, have the wonder and the beauty of such an awesome marriage. But without her, it became evident that my abiding in Christ was not what I now know it should be. And so the grief and the loss and the attempting to help my children deal with the loss of their mom and all of those complications that, you know, maybe in another podcast, we might talk about what does grief do in the face of abiding, things like that. But I had to deal with all of that. And on one particular and so while I thought I was prepared for the storm, I clearly wasn't. I clearly was not. I felt like I was sucking the life out of everybody I knew. I was so consumed with the loss. I was just I needed to be heard, I needed to be understood. I needed to I needed to be supported when when in reality I was. God was there. I had just, set him aside not i didn't quit believing i wasn't angry with him none of those kind of things i just was completely consumed psychologists therapists pastors everybody's going to say that makes perfect sense but it doesn't make perfect sense in light of the word of god the apostle paul addressing the church in thessalonica even addresses that in their grief and their loneliness and their sorrow at the passing of their beloveds, he said, I, I grieve, but I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. Grief for the one who is strongly dependent by abiding on the, in and on the Lord is different, should be different for one who is not. It turned out that I had been abiding in my wife as much as I was abiding in the Lord. So one particular night, you know, the household was out of order and all of that. And that's kind of normal, you know, what we were going through. But I'd kind of, my heart was breaking. My heart was broke. My my emotions were shattered. Uh, my children started to have one of those nights where they were kind of clashing with one another, uh, And I ended up doing something that I just, I didn't do as a daddy. I shouted at my three kids and it broke their hearts. And, you know, nearly at the top of my lungs, I said, what is wrong with you? Just get along and do your chores. And, you know, it was horrible. And maybe some people go, that's nothing compared to what I grew up with or whatever. But in our household, this, this on top of their loss, it was like, As dad lost his mind, you know, it's going to hurt us. It it was totally out of sync with what they understood making everything worse. Well, my son who was at the time uh, approaching 16 and was the one who was in the the wreck with my wife, I looked him in the eye and he's not able to walk very well yet. Uh, His body is a complete disaster still at this point I looked at him and I said I got to get out and that's it I just looked at him and said I got to get out he nodded his head and I walked out the door it was it's one of the worst memories of my life I just failed them miserably and I walked and it was a clear starry night and I walked down the street from where we lived and i walked over towards the elementary school and there's the schools not a lot of houses there's a few houses around the elementary school and i found myself shouting at god looking up into the heavens shouting at god and i said why 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 and it wasn't just why have you taken her from us it was why won't you talk to me and i clearly yelled out you talked to moses and i meant audibly I wanted to hear the voice of God. I wanted to see Jesus. Theologically, we talk about theophanies, where, where the second member of the, of the Godhead in the Old Testament period would appear as the angel of the Lord. And Abraham was able to talk to him. And Joshua talked to him as the, as the captain of the armies of God and all of those things. I wanted that experience like they had had. And I'm literally just shouting, talk to me, talk to me. I need you. And then I kind of threw my hands up higher, kind of, but lifting the outside of my hands backwards away from God and the palms as, you know, that when you throw your hands up, like, okay, that's it. I give up. And I just stood there. And it, couple two or three seconds and into my heart my mind my soul comes the word of god it just pours over me i was a student of the word of god i was i love the word of god i've been pouring it into my heart since i was a young man and just started flooding into my memory passage after passage after passage and somebody say well that's because you memorized it well yeah of course i memorized it but uh, In that moment of time, while I was walking in the flesh, instantaneously, the Holy Spirit gripped me, dumped the word of God into my mind, and demonstrated to me, I have been, I am talking to you consistently, slow your roll and listen to me. And the word of God just poured over me, uh, that little blog that I shared about from back in 2018 is is infinitesimally minor compared to the passages of scripture that were pouring over me that night. And I found myself running back to the house and getting to the house and and begging my children for forgiveness. And, And from that moment forward, everything was different. I remembered. You see, Jeremiah had that kind of experience. You can read about it in Lamentations chapter three. Where, as a prophet, God had promised him, I'll I'll take care of everything. He didn't let Jeremiah know, however, that he was going to go through some really horrible, tough times. Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah describes some of that horror. And down around verse 18, he goes, and you did this. This is your fault. And he makes this exclamation. All my hope in you is gone. Imagine the prophet of God, all my hope in you is gone. And then he said, But this I will recall. And the word of God came back to him. You know, your faithfulness is new every morning. We get that great hem of the faith. Great is your faithfulness from that passage of scripture. And it was those kind of passages that began to flood my mind and my heart, and my soul, and my spirit. It was Joshua chapter one, where where God said you're preparing for the, to go into the promised land meditate on my word it was lamentations chapter 3 it was psalm 19 it was psalm 119 it was john chapter 14 uh, john chapter 15 john chapter 16 all these passages of scripture that talk about how the holy spirit the father and the son speak to us through illumination and in john 14 i think it's around verse 11 where in kind of in the culmination of him, Jesus saying, abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my work. And by the way, you're not abiding in my word, for I don't, these are not my words, these are my father's words. So he's offering us the same relationship that he has with his father. And in verse 11, he says, and my joy will be made complete in you. And so it's not about the emotion, But the motivational emotion comes as a byproduct and a benefit of the fact that exactly as the Bible has predicted and the Lord Jesus predicted, the word of God reminds us that we're in the presence of almighty God. And so now the process has become, you know, it's a long, long, long season. And and it's like the 20 years of marriage. Where we were doing it, but we didn't understand it completely. And then post my beloved's death, doing it and beginning to understand it more completely. So that now it is normative for me to hear the word of God day in and day out. uh, In tough times and in good times, laughter and sorrow They all blend in under this one consuming thing that Jesus talks about. He calls it abiding. It's a particular motif he used. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about walking in the spirit, being taught by the spirit. Those are all the same thing. But what it comes down to is being fully dependent upon God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So whether it was the failure to prepare or now, preparing all the time for the storm because guess what i know the storms are still coming there have been other storms and i weather them so much better now you know they, they just most of the storms that come my way are just kind of like i know this can sound terrible and it's going to sound arrogant and i don't mean it that way but they're kind of easy peasy and the reason they're easy peasy is because the truth of scripture and i will never leave you I will never forsake you.
0: So there's a lot in there that I want to unpack because you've hit on so many topics that we've covered. And one thing I want to go back to is the preparation. So the preparation we talked about getting ready for church or the emergencies, getting ready for the hurricane, getting ready for the tornado, getting ready for flooding, getting ready for some difficult sickness that's in your life. Oh, well, we're going to go down this road, right? We always prepare in the best that we know how. And when we talk about that in abiding, the preparation was was all about allowing God's word to be put into our hearts and our minds, right? You've you've covered that a lot. And we even see that with Jeremiah in the later chapters where um, God specifically tells Jeremiah that, my word's going to be written on their hearts and on their minds. So with that word of God, when we are pouring that in, just like you said, and even if you weren't doing it as you are now, you were living out Psalm 119 in the best that your spiritual maturity could. It was, I treasure God's word more than gold and silver. And I want it in there. So your preparation started there. And even with your wife, it wasn't a one-way street where you were doing it and guiding her. She was in, you were in, you were both were all in God's word. So preparation in there, but also preparation in the dependence and the surrender side. Now, let's go back to going back to the before the wreck, before the loss of your wife. When we look at that portion of your life, the, the 20 years that you two were living this, what kind of ways did you see surrender, uh, dependence on the Lord, submission? What ways were you living that out, or were you living that out?
1: Yeah, I think we were living it out quite well. It's it's not that we weren't living it out. And I can't speak for Vanita, I can only speak for myself. What limited it in my life, and I didn't realize at the time, is that I was abiding in her and her word and her work and her love and her joys and her pain as much as I was abiding in the Lord. Now, again, that sounds really weird to people. They're like, that sounds fantastic. That's a beautiful, wonderful story of romance and love. And it and it, was, it is and it was. But when it becomes a co-equal partner, in reference to abiding in God Almighty, then it masquerades a deficiency. You don't see the deficiency. I wasn't depending on, I was depending on the Lord. Benita was depending on the Lord. We were teaching our children to depend on the Lord. But because of the dependence I had upon her, I didn't know the the depth, the breadth, the height, the width of what it really looked like to depend on the Savior alone. So in our abiding material, when we talk about things, there are those, we talk about sin as missing the mark, missing our meaning completely with God. It's one of those kind of issues. It was highly redemptive for the world. It was highly redemptive for the two of us and for our children. As a team, our family was redemptive for other people. But there was there was a deficit. Most people are going to find this really difficult to comprehend. I think I maybe not. I might be underestimating people because I feel like as I say it, it just seems so counterintuitive. But it we were preparing. We were preparing for the storm, we were abiding. It's just that I could have abided so much more completely had I understood the depth of what the Lord Jesus was saying. Because Jesus demonstrated this over and over and over again when the disciples fell asleep and he's praying shortly before the crucifixion. Their greatest need was the same as his but their perceived greatest need was to take a late night nap. His perceived greatest need was to spend time with the father. And we get that prayer of agony in the garden of Gethsemane. They should have been praying in agony too. That's what I mean. They were dependent upon him, but they were still immature. They were, you know, like, adolescent or pre-adolescent in their understanding so they were living it out well according to what they could but they could have and it didn't matter timing it's not that i i could have known that back then I, i i missed it i missed it i missed it as i read the bible i missed it as i read the great old writers bible teachers like ironside and mitchell and tozer and and calvin and luther i missed it i just i just missed it i don't i don't know how else to say it and i wish i hadn't missed it because had vanita and i understood it as well as i understood it now our marriage would have been even better (laughs) It, it would have been even stronger it would have been even more uh i view it i look back on it and it was glorious and i go could it have been better? And I know, in fact, it could have. And internally, I have still struggles today because I can confess before the Lord the things I know I could have done better for my beloved. Is that, am I making sense? Yeah.
0: No, I think that's, that's really a really good distinction. So during the storm, though, the storm mm-hmm. comes, you, your heart is broken. Your children's hearts are broken. You're trying to walk through this storm as best as you know how, as best as you'd prepared yourself. Even though you weren't preparing for this exact storm, you were preparing for a storm in life. And this one came. And as you walk through this, I think a really great Point that you made was when you yelled at your kids and I had something very similar so I can definitely identify that or with that but when you yelled at them you immediately knew what in the world just happened and it yeah. was it was in that moment that you realized not only did you miss the mark but that you were you were responding in the flesh I'm guessing right
1: yes yes absolutely
0: yeah Yeah. and so in that moment your your spirit was troubled you knew this wasn't you you knew that this was the response of the flesh and therefore identity was in question it didn't know you didn't know who you were uh truly in the lord at that moment and you took that walk and then comes the third point the themes that we talk about right we talk about the reading the word for transformation instead of information we talk about the dependency the submission, the surrender that comes with that. But then that third one, that term illumination, which we've talked about a few times. I I mentioned it in my story when I was talking to my boss and you know we had a good chuckle about that. But yours was different in that it wasn't just one book. You went out there, you were screaming, hands surrendered to the Lord, and you were asking him to speak to you. And I think a lot of Christians in the world just want to hear the audible voice of God It's almost like that experiential Christianity where I can hear God through a song. I can hear God through this random book that I'm reading. I see it in this Marvel movie, God speaking to me. All of these different ways that we're desiring and almost desperate to hear the voice of God speak to us. Yeah. But you experienced it in the way we see most in the Bible. And that was God's word. Pouring into your mind, pouring in through your heart, and the Holy Spirit communicating his love, his affection, his support. He was living out Psalm 23 in your life, that he was walking through you through the valley of the shadow of death, literally. He was was supporting you. He was bringing you into that still meadow, bringing you by the still waters. And in that moment, all of it changed.
1: Yes, and that's, yep. beautiful. that's beautiful. It did. It, ex- it 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 changed because I experienced it in my deepest, darkest hour. I'd had dark hours before, but nothing like that, you know. And I experienced it in the middle of the storm, and and in a in a way, it's similar to the when Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, and the storm comes up, right? And the disciples are, they I mean, you know, they have seen him do you know bonafide you know food producing miracles you know feeding thousands of people and and you know all those things that they saw him do which by the way occasionally in history god breaks into time and space and does those things not very often and they're like master master we're gonna die and he and and you read that passage and there's a there's a sense in that passage where it's kind of like he's going (sighs) because he says oh you have little faith have i been with you so long well it was like that you know i haven't gone anywhere ricky you know this you teach people this you knucklehead (laughs) you know that that kind of a thing and uh and the joy that, you, and, and so here's the thing that in order to move forward with abiding, we are, we're, you know, we are people of, of, of five categories. We are physical, we're social, we're mental, we're emotional, and we're spiritual. And we need balance in all of those areas. And God does that. He, he, he wants us to experience life that way. Well, if we can't experience his presence, right, how then can we truly experience the joy of the Lord? Well, you mentioned going to church or going to a worship service with great music because we're all wanting that, emoti- that emotional, motivational charge that we get from an experience. And we look for it in all these ways that the Bible doesn't talk about. And it's as though the body of Christ has lost the capacity to see the one thing that weaves its way through scripture, not inspiration, not new revelation coming from the, from God, but illumination, the reminder of the word of God that has come before. And we see that happen a lot in the word of God itself, even while the inspired writers are writing new revelation via the inspirational ministry of God, they are oftentimes illuminated with passages that have come before. And so the Bible talks about both. Uh, Some people think that the doctrine of illumination refers to the Holy Spirit interpreting scripture for us, but the Bible doesn't teach us that. Jesus himself says, the Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you. Those two words are found in the same verse. And that's a Hebrew way of emphasizing one particular truth. You will be continually discipled as we, the Father, the Spirit, and myself mentor you via our already given word. Now, there'll come a time when there'll be probably new inspiration, two prophets. You know, the Bible tells us there's two prophets coming in the future, and we'll probably hear a few new things, or maybe a lot. I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But illumination is overlooked, and therefore we don't get the opportunity because i get it that people want that experience of course we do and if and if god is true to his word we will experience him but we dare not fake ourselves out with with other things even if they're as beautiful and wonderful and glorious as my beloved venita we can't use anything as a substitute for god himself or we need to be the child of God that's fully dependent and he will manifest his presence by flooding our mind and heart with his word. If we'll, if we'll agree with him and do what the Psalmist said and Joshua said, and Moses said, and David said, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and, and on and on it goes and Paul and John, and they all are repeating the truth of God over and over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so when that illumination came to you, it brought that sense of peace, that sense of fulfillment, yeah. contentment, it brought yeah, all joy,
1: joy. Joy, yeah. All of those words are used in scripture, right? And they're, you know, the apostle says, I've, the apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. You know, you, you read that and you go, oh, come on, I've learned to be content in all things. But it's true when you read study his history, right? Uh or, or, you know, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So peace, joy, contentment, all of those words are wrapped up in that. And so John, I'm wanting to say 14, 11, it might not be 11, but it's right in there, right? Uh, where Jesus says, by abiding through the word, through his love, through being in presence with him, his joy will be made complete in us. That's that experience part of it. He doesn't do it for the sake of the experience. He does it for the sake of the person. I, he, he's promised I won't leave you or forsake you. I really am there. Not just the theological sense that he's everywhere present. Of course, he's everywhere present. But with the believer, he's with us, with us, with us. It's magnificent. It's magnificent. I, I hope, I don't know, I, I, I hope people really can grasp I it's kind of weird to be a pastor at least it is for me i stumble over words i <laughs> i i feel like i should only write a manuscript and then read the manuscript because if i have time to write it out then the words come out but in the moment i get so stinking excited about the whole thing i feel like everything we've done for the last half hour is just a bunch of jumble of words and i'm and i'm hoping <laughs> i'm hoping the folks will get will be able to get past that and go uh You know, Chris is really pressing this issue for us. We need to learn how to abide. And I hope they're listening to your podcast. And I, um, you know, I know that you talk about in your blog, you know, that, you know, encourage people to call you or me and, you know, set up an an abiding group, you know, over Zoom or something like that. If even they don't even have to be in our, you're in Tennessee and I'm in Washington. Was I supposed to say that? You were our locations. I guess that's all right. It's not safe. Uh, yeah, so um, it doesn't matter where we're at, we can we can walk this path together. Yeah.
0: You know? So the last thing I want to mention, and we can we can see and hear how your storm has gone, but you, being a pastor, have walked through others who have gone through a situation where they lost a spouse, whether it was abandonment whether it was a loss through death, however it is. And we have we probably know people in our own lives, or maybe we're one that has lost a spouse. So we can relate to that part. But a lot of the things we didn't see in our lives when we went through that. Now, mine, I I went through a divorce and it wasn't through widowing. But for those who have, maybe they identified with the loss, but they saw and I said, that's, that's not how mine went. And they're walking through this storm and they just feel, maybe they feel like they're failing every minute when they try to walk through it with their kids. Maybe they continue to go and, and to scream or, or to just give up, to throw their hands up, to get angry at life in all of these areas. What would, what would you say in the lens of abiding? What would you say to those people to at least encourage them that there is hope outside of all the pain and the suffering that they're going through?
1: Um, Well, I'd really want a whole afternoon with them, (laughs) but (laughs) I'll I'll go here. So as a pastor, you know, there's all kinds of different things pastors do. Um, I have had one of the hallmarks of my ministry over the last 40 years, close to 40 years now, is counseling spend working with people through adversity issues right at at this point while we have to talk about a particular issue divorce or abuse or death or financial wreckage or whatever it might happen to be right uh the defense mechanisms that people bring from their childhood into their adult life. There's a myriad, of all these different complications. And really that's what, what happens, you know, is that the habituation, the habit structures we build because every childhood is unique in that way. There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect family. Some are off the scale, <laughs> messed up but all of them have some issues, right? And so we develop uh, out, of the, out of the natural born flesh of the fallen human being and the complexity or the level of complexity of their childhood and, and early adult development come what therapists refer to as dysfunctions the Bible talks about that as the, the problematic issues of our flesh. So what is the meta therapy? <laughs> what is the meta counsel? It's abiding in the Lord. So I rarely anymore talk to people. I, of course, in talking to them, we lean into people. We're empathetic. We're sympathetic. Tell me about, you know, your divorce. Tell me about the loss of your beloved tell me about the loss of your child, you know, uh, tell me about the loss of your parent, tell me about the complications at work and, you know, the soft pastoral, loving, gentle, Christ-like conversation, right? The Bible talks about that. Expose the darkness, expose the difficulties. Uh, The Bible talks about confession. Well, and we think of it as confessing sin, but confession means to speak in agreement with God. So we wanna move people to where they're able to honestly, truly understand their life in light of God and to be able to speak life, speak about their own lives in agreement with God. So the Bible talks about all these things, but what's the solution? The solution is in fact, what the evangelist says is the, you know, what Billy Graham says is the solution, right? Or said, I'm I'm sure he's telling the apostles that now, (laughs) right? you come just as you are you come right at the end of every one of his crusades they played the same songs come just as you are come and he would say that come now it doesn't matter doesn't matter if you've been going to church your whole life or you've never heard of jesus you just come because that really is the truth and it's only true for eternal salvation it's true for internal salvation the 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 restoration of our inner self to become dependent upon God. So all of my counseling now, all of my discipling will be to help people to abide in Christ through their adversities. So we, you know, we might have to do a little work on communication skills, but think about it. When someone starts to truly abide in the Lord, what will happen to their communication? It will become more Christ-like. When a person begins to have their meaning and their purpose, their destiny truly centered through total dependence upon God, what will happen to their poor habits? You you use the phrase, reading the Bible, not for information, but for transformation. True transformation will begin to take place. Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We come to know Jesus and we pour his truth into our life. The psalmist said, store it up. You know, I store up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So my answer, my hope for people is that they can see that while psychology which I I wouldn't tell people not to go to counseling. I think anytime we can help somebody order their life better, that's a good thing. But there's probably 350 different forms of therapy. But God gives us one, which is walk with me, talk with me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I promise you, if you do it my way, not, not Ricky's way, not Chris's way, but the Lord's way, you know, it's a bit audacious right now speaking For God, God promises, do this, do this John chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 thing. Do this Romans chapter eight thing. Do this Galatians chapter five and six thing. Uh, And I promise you, you will know my presence and I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that changes everything about us. It changes our habits. It changes our desires. It changes how we view temptation it changes our need structures all of those kind of things so that would be my that'd be my answer
0: i love it yeah. awesome well we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him john 14:23 jesus answered and said to him if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him we will come to him and make our abode with him as you walk through this week we encourage you to review the scriptures and our theme of walking and abiding through the storm and ask the Holy spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your, in your own walk. Thank you for listening and God bless. Amen.